You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This episode number 309, we're discussing the Super Bowl weekend trailers, including Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, the DC 2022 Scissor Reel, Jurassic World Dominion, and the Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power trailer. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. And I'm Carlos. And man, after three weeks of very, very slow news and a lot of abstract talks from us, which I really thoroughly enjoyed, so go check those out if you haven't. We have got an absolute mountain of content to discuss, including these incredible trailers that came at us over the week leading up to and including the Super Bowl day. Dude, like, come on. It's about time we got some trailers here. Oh, man. It was like a fiesta platter of all the things I love. It's been amazing. Been amazing. Just wild. It kind of really struck that. Not so much Star Wars, but Marvel, DC, and beyond. We had Star Wars happening in the background on Disney+, Plus, of course. But we've got just an incredible run of of not only streaming content, but also these trailers to talk about this week. And we're going to be focusing just on the trailers because for all that streaming stuff, Peacemaker and the Book of Boba Fett, we're actually going to be having a live stream wrap-up with our boys over at Vigilante 1939 this coming Friday, the 18th, over on the Nerd Room YouTube channel. So make sure you set a reminder for that. Get plugged in there. We're going to have a lot of fun breaking down those incredible series that have been in front of us over the last six or seven weeks. So lots of fun to wrap there. But man, it's all about the trailers this week. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. This took my hype level from like a five to a 15. DC in 2022. Let's freaking go, man. Come on. This one hit me hard. And then Jurassic World Dominion, one of the best trailers over the last couple of years. I'm going to put my flag in that right here, right now. And then also Lord of the Rings. This Amazon Prime show that's coming, The Power of the Rings. I might have said it wrong at the top of the show, but kind of took me off guard. But I'm here for it. I'm here to discuss it and see what they're able to bring to the table with Amazon Prime's big first foray into really expensive filmmaking (laughs) inside of the streaming space so lots to get into my dude and we're not gonna waste any more time because we're gonna head over to this week in nerd All right, everyone, welcome to This Week in Nerd, our weekly news segment. We break down the latest and the greatest from the world of nerd. And we're going to go right into it. Let the speculation begin within the multiverse. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, the second trailer dropped onto us. And for me, this is a much better and a much more evolved trailer than the first one. The first one that was tacked onto the back of No Way Home didn't give us too much insight, built a little bit of hype. But this one ramps it up to 15, like I said. This one takes us to places that I didn't think we would go in a trailer, including an appearance by a previous Fox character, or at least speculating. I think we can all but confirm it. And just really opening up as to what this film potentially could be, and the scale of it feels way bigger than they alluded to in the first trailer. So, Carlos, first thoughts on this second trailer for the Multiverse of Madness, this next big tentpole film for the MCU. 
Uh, to be honest with this one, there there was a few things that seemed to be real linchpins for everybody, being Wanda and being that Fox cameo or the Fox tease that we got. Uh, but for me, honestly, the most compelling thing about this trailer was the how refined and how gorgeous the cinematography and color mm-hmm. correction was on it. Like, it looked like something completely different. You had nice, rich, dark blacks where you needed blacks. You had cool reds. You had different and unique and interesting shots. And it was something that we haven't got from the MCU for a long time. And um, I didn't think too much of Sam Raimi coming on. Um it's been a while since we've seen anything from him. I'm not a big horror guy, so his kind of post uh, Army of Darkness Spider Man work was lost on me. But uh, holy smokes, like he definitely brought it. So that was that was the most compelling thing for me was just seeing um, something interesting, visually interesting, and very unique in the MCU space. So. That that's definitely what grabbed me with this trailer mm-hmm. and just how atmospheric it was and it, yeah you, you could just tell right like interesting angles and telling a lot of story without saying anything so I I'm here for it I'm here for it yeah for sure and just to build on that point because it's something that I think that needs to be highlighted too yeah visually amazing but also it this movie is gonna be about some moments and like you said the linchpin for a lot of people was this Patrick Stewart cameo, this Wanda stuff, the teases of every little thing and the glass breaking and the different dimensions that we're seeing and all this. But when I look at this trailer, fundamentally, it still feels like a Doctor Strange film, which was my concern going into No Way Home with the multiverse, that it wasn't going to be a Spider-Man Peter Parker story. This, I had a little concern about it, but it felt maybe a bit more suited for Doctor Strange if he was to be overtaken by the multiverse and being a big stepping stone for the MCU. But when you look at the amount of times we see Wong and we get to see Rachel McAdams' character in there, we get to see Mordo and some interfingering of like a grander story and along with the introduction of America Chavez, it still to me felt like a Doctor Strange film just scaled way up from where it was in 2016. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just your conflict is going to be between Mordo and Strange and with where you left Mordo at the end of Doctor Strange 1, you know he goes on a bit of a journey and Mm -hmm. he's not quite sure as to uh, the path Stephen Strange is taking and I I liked how he actually really adhered to the tenements of um, Karmataj, right? Mm -hmm. And so I I, I like that he's gone on this journey and then he's been... uh, doled into being part of the Illuminati and that's why he's coming into conflict with Strange and that's why you're having Doctor Strange come into the Multiverse of Madness because he does something in No Way Home but Mm -hmm. they tie it nicely back into his backstory and his rogues gallery so to speak with uh, Mordo it's like that's who you got to answer to and he he just happens to be the guy that's um, part of this version of the Illuminati so yeah I really dug that aspect of it to be honest with you so yeah let's talk about this illuminati tease in here this is something that really sticks out this is what got me gasping and be like no way we talked about this a a few weeks about a month ago about who could show up in this and we had teased the idea that the illuminati could be there but that this was maybe 
a stretch cameo. This might not happen. A Patrick Stewart has been rumored for a while. They seemingly confirmed not only the presence of the Illuminati, but of Patrick Stewart's Professor X being a part of that group. Now, this group is has roots in the Marvel comics, stretching back to 2006. This is a group that sits in the background and has been meddling with things to make sure everything is going in the direction that they feel is most appropriate, composed of Professor X, Black Bolt, Namor, I believe, Iron Man, Doctor Strange has been a part of this. Um, Cap was sitting on it at one point in the later thing in the later stage with the Hickman run. Um, you've got Reed Richards as well, and so there's a large grouping. A lot of people we have not seen introduced into the MCU yet, but characters that have been introduced in past Marvel films. Now it's interesting because it's very clear that that's at least to me that that's the Illuminati, and with Professor X sitting there, of course. But Baron Mordo, you you made a reference there because it does look like it's him walking across in front there with the longer hair and the bow staff, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, like kind of the the shadowy figure you see. I wonder though if Mordo is bringing Strange there, and he's actually not a part of the Illuminati proper. Uh, I I don't know. Like it kind of six one way, half a dozen the other. But why would he be yeah. the one who? who knows and like i think it's just it i always like when your hero is on the back foot and it would really put a character as powerful as strange on the back foot if mordo it, it does have a seat with the illuminati and kind of holds cool all twist. the power right so yeah. um but either way if if he's the the guy that they tapped on the shoulder to go bring strange to them so be it but um yeah it could be cool it could mm-hmm. i'm sure they'll do their own thing with it yeah, I, it's going to be curious to see who they include on this council. Um, I'm not super into the idea of bringing back a whole bunch of legacy Fox characters, like Same. your Reed Richards and Tom Cruise's Iron Man. I don't want that. I want kind of more of established variants, if you will, um, to be the, the sitting members of this Illuminati, if they are going to actually go this path. Well, the Illuminati wasn't comprised of members from across a multiverse either were they no it was all 616 people yeah yeah so that's kind of my guess like i really love patrick stewart as professor x and hugh jackman as wolverine and so on and so forth but man like as cool as that was at the same time it kind of felt like a cheap pop from wrestling where Mm -hmm. it's just like well did we have to or could you have just had a shot with a guy in a wheelchair and then introduce your own MCU version of Professor X. Because that's that's really what I'm looking forward to is the uh, Disney MCU proper versions of the X-Men coming forward. Like, even if it costs us Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool, like, granted, I'm not the hugest fan of that character and that franchise. Like, I'd, I'd have to think about it for three seconds to put it up on the pyre kind of thing as a mm. sacrificial lamb <laughs> so that uh, we can have like a big glorious Kevin Feige X-Men. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Like I'm, I'm kind of hoping that the council is comprised of variants, which is interesting in light of where the Loki series left us with he who was at the end of all things. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, well, how does this guy factor in? And well, how many I had that exact same thought <laughs> <laughs> super powerful overwatching type of groups do you have? But yeah, uh, yeah we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I do. I do like how closely they've tied it to strange though. Seemingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And to your point about the X-Men, the one thing that, that doesn't worry me too much about them using characters like Patrick Stewart and some of the legacy stuff 
is that with Spider-Man and No Way Home, that we can we can have these very largely differentiated characters with their own universes, their own backgrounds, and their own take, and it not have to be so closely married to the stories of the past or of the future. So mm-hmm. they can do their own X-Men inside of the MCU and have it be wildly different than what you've gotten in the past with the Fox X-Men and, and not actually being an inroad to bringing those characters. Because like you've said in the past, I also don't want a ton of baggage being brought into this universe. It's like, let's start this fresh, new, Fantastic Four, same thing. We don't need to be layering in all of these Fox characters just because we can at this point. And like you said, get the pop from the audience. Is We can do different things, but this Illuminati is just variants of of, of characters that we have seen in the past um in, up to including characters that may not be with us in the mcu anymore like a, i would love to be honest with you to see an rdj tony stark sitting on that council i think that would be really cool but mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just me <laughs> um one of the interesting things just touching on this illuminati still is that strange is escorted in by what appeared to be ultron bots of some sort um yep. star tech maybe which i thought was really cool too and maybe a little of a, a pull from what if so what's your take on on that and it being maybe part of something bigger and how important really what if is because there's a lots of nods to what if in this trailer including the zombies and all that as well yeah that was my first thought is that it's what if based on the <clears throat> evil or tainted Doctor Strange that we get mm-hmm. um, in the first trailer. So, I, yeah, I just assumed that it was the Ultron army kind of thing from What If. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I think they've positioned What If perfectly, where if you've watched it, great, you'll get a little bit more mm-hmm. out of what they're doing here. But I don't think you'll need to have had to seen it, right? It just No, like I don't it, think so either. No. If we got Ultron robots, cool, right? I, the way they're setting up the Illuminati it's like, I think everything's on the table, right? You could mm-hmm. get anything from anywhere and who knows? Maybe the Ultron robots are from Professor X's world or whatever, yeah. whatever type of thing. But um, yeah, it's cool that they tied in some of those ideas and designs and made what if relevant. Yeah, and there's even in the poster, actually, if you look at some of the glass shards, there's a Captain Carter shield in there. Yes. From, yeah. from what if as well. So it seems like that was one of the characters that that was probably an easy pull into this universe or at least cameo into this universe. And I think that all but confirms it really. Oh yeah. No, she makes sense. She's a Haley Atwell's a fan favorite for Mm. sure. And it's easy enough to get that costume and you can have her be as big or as little a part of the story Mm. as, as you want to be. Yeah. We're going to get sequences of cameos in this guys. It is going to be, layer upon layer upon layer, even just little dimensional things like, boom, there it is, cameo. And I honestly don't think the Illuminati is going to play a massive role in this film. I think they're going to be a piece of it, a big cameo sequence, but then they might drift off into the background of the MCU for subsequent multiversal films, Loki-type stuff and that. I really, really don't think they're going to be a major keystone to this grander story that Doctor Strange is telling right now. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I'm curious to see where we're at on the other side of Quantum Mania. Yes, like like I think once we play through this movie and that one, 
um, we'll have a better idea as to where where everything sits and mm-hmm. it, ah. who, who knows. It, it's been cool to see where everything is going. I, I do really long for something a, a little more home cooking. Like I'll even take Sam and Bucky on the boat. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you get Moon Knight and maybe something a little subtler with Miss Marvel, She-Hulk. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a movie of escalation. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that the MCU had done in the past was their frames of reference for escalation were always Avengers films. And now it is every film has to outdo the one previous to it. At some point, they're not going to be able to do that, and they're going to have to shrink back into – scales of films that are appropriate for the characters as well <laughs> yeah well because like we have a, a a celestial sticking out of the planet right now yeah. right so <laughs> that's the last thing we saw out of the mcu yeah so. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and i guess the holland stuff and all that right the no way home you got all the oh, multiversal yeah. stuff and all this crazy stuff happening so it's uh yeah things are getting big and and ramping up very quickly but going back to this trailer Wanda was another character that was quite heavily featured before we talk about the other strange stuff here. Now, first trailer, I got, I went one way and said, oh, I thought Wanda was going to be the villain, but it turns out that maybe she's not. It's going to be this evil Doctor Strange, or the what-if Doctor Strange. Now, this one confuses me a bit more as to where Wanda sits in all this. There's some lines in there, maybe expertly placed inside of this to throw us off a little bit as to her feelings about the tampering that she's done versus the tampering that Strange has done and how it's celebrated differently. And there's some scenes in actually a TV spot that also dropped with the Super Bowl where we do see Wanda being more present in this film in a capacity that you could question the overall motives and where she sits on this line between protagonist and antagonist. Maybe she's walking a bit more of that broken Wanda line. We do see the Wanda zombie as well from what if, which was a very powerful zombie too. So seeing Wanda in this, seeing a lot more of the Scarlet, Witch, I should actually say they differentiate. I think by the end of WandaVision that they're two different people almost. Um, So Wanda's presence in this, does it take you a different direction than the first trailer did? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I, I think I kind of always expected her to kind of come along mm-hmm. for the journey and then turn on him at some point in time. I think that's what they've set up with WandaVision. And then this trailer kind of confirms it. You can kind of see it going that way. And and I don't know. Like, has it been confirmed that that's the zombie Wanda? Like, it, I thought it could just be Wanda with, like, a, a cut on her head kind of thing. There's a, there's a TV spot that also aired that has a Wanda zombie in it. It's, oh, okay. It's different. And you see, oh. like, more of Defender Strange with, like, a ponytail and, like, the weird hair along the side, like the gray hair along the side as well. Oh, okay. So I haven't seen that. Okay, so yeah. So I, it's only it's, – it's, like, a 30-second spot that was, like, go watch the main trailer over on whatever, Marvel Studios YouTube. But there was, like, this little spot that had a bunch of other little things in it. And, yeah, there's that cut piece or that, that – facial cut Wanda, but then there's also appears to be that zombie Wanda as well. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. Like I'm, I'm pretty Wanda agnostic. I, I have to be, cause it's just like, I think she's cool. I think they tell neat stories with her, but Holy cow. Like the Wanda fans are, it's, it's like the, it's just one of those <laughs> things where a fan base can ruin something for you. And I, 
I have a little girl who's Wanda super fan, so it's like it's not like <laughs> I'm I'm dumping on the character, but it but it's totally tainted for me because it's just like holy smoke sometimes. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, we'll see what they do with this character, kind of this this transition into Scarlet Witch, and if they start to use her in a way that Bendis used her a lot in that mid two thousands run that he did, where she became the cause and the. Uh, the solution to most problems in the Marvel 616 universe. Oh yeah. No, she was, <laughs> she, she was totally that, uh, DSX machina. Yeah. Just like, Oh, <laughs> we don't know where this story is going. Oh, here's Wanda on the second last page. <laughs> I guess we know where the story is going to wind up. Yeah. I really like this character. I'm looking forward to her being in this in a, in a major way. And then also strange. We've got a whole bunch of variants of strange. We've got, the regular Strange, this the MCU Strange. We got Defender Strange, who in this other TV spot had like this weird gray streaks, and then into a ponytail. We've seen the action figure of that Zombie Strange in there doing some pretty wild looking magic. That What If Evil Strange. So we've got Benedict Cumberbatch pulling, you know, at least four Doctor Strange variants in this film, maybe more. Um, but ultimately, I'm really digging what I'm seeing from strange in this i I, like i said at the top i really think this is still going to be a sequel for his films and a progression of his story out of of course 2016 through infinity war and endgame through no way home and back into a more strange centric story like he's he's still had a lot of screen time but this is the first time we're going back to a film focused primarily around pushing his internal narrative and his character as well yeah like i i quite like doctor strange i'm one of the few that not that i rank movies but the original doctor strange is definitely in my Mm -hmm. top third of of the mcu films it's one of my favorites and i really like cumberbatch and everything he's done with the role so yeah more strange bring it And, and he's actually one of those characters where i think i prefer the mcu version of the character to the comic book version of him um which is not typical for me but he just yeah he's he's just got something to him where i i just prefer the that flavor of strange versus the uh, og yeah he's fallible character he makes mistakes he's super powerful and there's a lot of interesting ways i think they can go and like pairing him with like a character like wong that seems to be a bit of his compass at times and then bringing Mordo back, which has been the kind of the missing piece since 2016 in, in the MCU for Strange in particular. That's It's a big chunk of his story that has not progressed since that film debuted, where mm. you see a lot of Strange in subsequent films, but not a lot of this side of it, which is, is pretty cool. Or even having him have his own enemy, right? Yes. Like he's always coming in and helping out save the the planetary threats but mm-hmm. we haven't seen a uniquely doctor strange enemy since the original movie mm-hmm. yeah exactly well put well put and also america chavez makes her debut in this we saw her only briefly in the trailer here and i guess we also get a cameo of monica rambo in this too so two characters that uh one debuting and one getting a bit more screen time on the on the big screen that was introduced in wandavision as well are you sure that's not Tom Cruise, Tony Stark? Yeah. The... <laughs> it sure as hell better not be. <laughs> well, they're it saying that very that's Captain Marvel esque. I don't. The one fighting Wanda. Well, that 
people were taking screen caps and trying to say it's that Tom Taylor version of Tony Stark with no like way. the the blue armor that turns orangey when he gets mad. But no, it, it's got to be Monica Rambeau like his photon. When it there's, yeah, it's Photon. There's a direct connection. She's chasing Wanda around. <laughs> exactly. For sure. Like, there's yeah. no way it's anything other than that. I got to find you the picture. There's somebody sent me one, and they're like, look, you can see the mustache. It's just like, oh, man. I'm checking no. out. Like, <laughs> Ab- Absolutely. I will guarantee it's Photon. 100%. Like, this yeah. whole Tom Cruise thing, I like, one, he's not going to be sitting in the Illuminati. Like, they're not going to do that. They would put RDJ in that if they had to. So if you do see Tom Cruise Iron Man in this, it's going to be like a simple like psh, splash. That's it. Like a look into another dimension through Strange's eyes for two seconds would be my guess. Yeah. Who knows, man? Who it's knows? It's way too distracting for people. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's and it has just... no relevance to the story. Like why would Tom Cruise's Iron Man be trying to fight Wanda? Like. I don't know, man. It's like, and it's weird because it's like a a real life Easter egg, right? This thing that happened in real life where they were trying to get him to play the role, but he wanted his face shown. Uh, (laughs) It's an Easter egg in this movie. It is just weird. But yeah, (laughs) there was just so much chatter about it. I kind of, I was bemused. I did not catch that. I would have uh, very quickly disagreed with it as I did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm not saying I endorse it. It's just there. Well, man, the beginning of May cannot come soon enough. It's it's our next, our first big MCU film post No Way Home. It's sitting in that traditional MCU slot for debuts, theatrical debuts, that is. And it's got kind of a grand event feel to it, which really, really excites me. So big, big win for me on this one. But 2022, I don't think it's really about the MCU. It is, it is probably more so about DC. And they are going to have the first big theatrical debut of this year in just a few weeks time some we know are going to be see it actually inside of the month of february which is wild that we are on the doorstep carlos and that is of course the batman that i'm talking about but dc did treat us to a, a sizzle reel of their four films in 2022 the world needs heroes i can't help but feel like that is a bit meta. That is, there's something grander to that they're trying to tell the world. Yes, I am a big Marvel MCU fan, but this feels like DC's year, man. Like, talk to me about this scissor reel. Black Adam, the Batman, the Flash, and of course, Aquaman. Oh, man, this, this knocked my socks off. In fact, it knocked everybody's socks off because it took Twitter down. But... Um... <laughs> Yeah, like just just unexpected. The Rock kind of said that they had something coming, and everybody assumed it would be something for Super Bowl, and then they dropped this. And they kind of teased it because in the days leading up, they had released art of each of those characters mm-hmm. and tied it into a Chinese New Year promotion, and it was really cool. And it was very stylized versions of the uh, live action characters, and. Uh, yeah, just didn't put two and two together that they dropped this sizzle reel on us. But man, like what a tour of force. Like this yes. thing was phenomenal. Like you get to see the Justice Society. Of course, like they showcase the Batman the most because that's your next big movie on the horizon. You do just enough with the Flash to show people that that's going to be badass and give people a new tease. 
And then you just show two baller shots of Aquaman and it's mm-hmm. like, yes, I want more of it. Give it to me right now. <laughs> sexy, sexy Jason Momoa in the desert. Who doesn't want that? Like, <laughs> let's go. Yeah, man. Like this one too, for me, when it hit, I was a little blown away because I thought it was just going to be some logos popping up. And then all of a sudden you've got like proper Justice Society reveals here with first look at Hawkman, Cyclone, Adam Smasher, and Dr. Fate. You've got dialogue from that film. They're doing something a little different with Black Adam in this. There's a bit more of a heroic portrayal in there, a little bit of a feel that is somewhat divergent from the first TV spot or the first spot that they showed us, I believe, at DC Fandom, which was Mm -hmm. a much darker take on the character. And yeah, this being bookended, the whole scissor reel is bookended by the Batman. You've got it really featuring Kravitz's Selena Kyle here, Catwoman. In her dialogue, you've got her at the start, her at the end, talking about like the hero- heroism of it all. Man, I, I, the score, I'm like at a loss for words here. It, it did exactly what it needed to do. But at the end of the day, it doesn't give you anything it just builds your anticipation it it does exactly what it's supposed to do and we're banging on the table every single time we talk about dc about controlling the freaking narrative and here they are again like they've laid a subtle take on all of these characters and it's it just it's so the, the marketing is so well done yeah like you said like that score and the way it builds and how it's bombastic and heroic and it almost like as they're showing the the DC logo with the nice bright colors behind it. It feels like a heartbeat, like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you've brought something back to life, so to speak, and gives you the cool flashes of all the characters. And then like when we actually see the characters, every single one of the money shots, even Batman was at a dawn or daytime type of mm-hmm. um, environment. Black Adam, it, despite like you get that, probably some of the best acting that we've seen from the rock where they show him in pain and anguish, but he has that voiceover and they kind of tie it and allude to the fact that the justice society is trying to woo him into helping them. And uh, man, like Dwayne Johnson in that black Adam suit, he looks incredible, like just perfect. Like they crushed it with that costume looks so good. And then Hawkman in all his glory, like Aldous Hodge looks phenomenal in Hawkman. I love that they went with the gold motif for the wings and that he's just golden red. Like I, at first blush, I was like, ah, he's missing the green from the pants. He needs a touch of green. And then I'm like, no, you know, you, you don't need to have like the kind of the flag colors going on. Cyclone's got that nice rich green. So this gives him a nice contrast off of her and, yeah, like Hawkman looked so cool. And then Dr. Fate, like so perfect, so perfect. Like he had a neat look as with Pierce Brosnan as Kent with the helmet off. And then like when he's got that helmet rocking, like Naboo is in the house. It's yeah. so freaking <laughs> sweet. So yeah, I loved all that. And then like Ezra with the lenses that took the flash look to a whole nother level and like the suit lit properly was kind of cool and that that michael keaton voiceover is pure magic man man you cannot stray from michael keaton here he is going to be a a big player across this universe and i think having him have a relatively significant voiceover you know in the context of this whole thing 
about why this universe and you can travel any like i love the to me there's more to it maybe i'm reading into certain things with these voiceovers but i like to think marketing like this the way that they're doing it nothing is by accident Mm -hmm. you know the words that they're choosing you know rock has been very specific with his words since the beginning of this the hierarchy of power is changing in the dc universe i think we need to take that changing to changed it has happened look yeah four films four huge films this year for dc this is the biggest year DC film has ever had. I don't think I don't think you can argue that at all with what is coming out, with the, the reappearance or reemergence of the Batman, introduction of a big character like Black Adam, a tentpole character, and then revisiting things like Aquaman and Flash Story, but also layering in things like Keaton. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. No, there's there's no comparison, right? Like we we went from having maybe one movie a year or you have like one unconnected movie and then we had like a, a dry spell between mm-hmm. 2013 and 2016 right waiting three years between movies to having four in one year and that's on top of all the things that they're doing on tv with like proper hbo max with peacemaker i think dmz hits this year mm-hmm. then you got naomi and superman and lois and titans going on so yeah it's it's huge. And in fact, they have a fifth movie because DC Super Pets didn't get any any love yes. in this sizzle reel. But I, I like that they left them off the table. Just like you said, controlling the narrative. And they're very specific in what they were trying to say with this trailer. And mm-hmm. as much as I love the Super Pets, they've, they, they have their own arena to play in. Well, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And this is like you take the Super Bowl and this. No, it didn't. It might have aired as an ad on Super Bowl, but it debuted a few days before, which I kind of like this because, again, it comes back to this idea. You don't want this to get buried in between Jurassic World stuff or Marvel stuff and all that. And I'm not saying that it would, but it, it does take a little breath. Like all everything suffers in that Super Bowl space a little bit because whoever has the last thing is going to get this last breath of air from everyone on Twitter, everyone on social media, everyone watching at home, you know, Multiverse of Madness and all that, that all aired within the first 10 minutes. And I got people texting me all this stuff, right? And it was nice that we got to sit with this DC sizzle reel for a couple of days and digest it a little bit and then revisit it afterwards. Oh, yeah, totally. And like, man, to your point, like Brother Nico was watching the Super Bowl mm-hmm. and you got to think like, it's crazy expensive. I think it was 30 seconds was $7 million or $6 million. So for that one minute, minute sizzle reel, that's like 12 to $14 million that you're paying. Mm-hmm. And Nico's watching the Super Bowl with a group of friends, but he's DMing us, asking us what happened because he couldn't hear the dialogue and mm-hmm. wanted to know what happened in that Multiverse of Madness trailer, right? So you got to think you're paying all that money to showcase something. And yeah, you get in front of eyeballs, but at the same time, are you getting quality exposure with that, right? For that amount of money and with what DC's trying to do and the narrative that they're putting forth, you need that. You need that focus and that engagement type of thing, right? So you have that. And then, like you said, you kind of get to the next thing and multiverse of madness totally blew up my timeline, but then the halftime show hit and you didn't hear about it again. And then the halftime show was kind of the thing. Right. So yeah, yeah, I think it was, and you have things like Sonic, like Sonic bought a super bowl spot and uh, I didn't hear boo about it (laughs) because it just got buried. Right. So Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think it was smart. Drop it a couple of days early. The Rock's got such a massive platform that, you know, it's going to get shared all over the place. It took down Twitter, like literally. So, yeah, you, you got it and you had two days for people to kind of soak it up and exchange their thoughts and complain about things because people do that and celebrate things because people do that too. And yeah, it was, it was perfect. Like you said, controlling the narrative. Mm-hmm. There's nothing but perfection here. There's nothing to complain about in this sizzle reel. Come on. It's like 30 seconds long of four movies. Right? Oh, I know, man. Like they were, they were scraping the bottom of the barrel for complaints. The few that I saw with just like, Oh, the filter on the, on the country that they're fighting in. It's like, Oh, my oh. goodness. All right, guys. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right. It's like, Shit. give it a rest. Gloss you got to go out. there. Yeah. If you got to go there, there's nothing to complain about. No, no. Let, let's talk about a couple other things inside of the DC universe before we move on to a couple of the Beyond trailers here. Keaton, 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 Keaton. He, his, his name has been flying around Twitter, and we're going to put a big spoiler tag right here, guys. Big spoiler tag if you're not into some leaks. And, you know, we usually don't do big segments on leaks, and this isn't going to be a big segment, but it's hard to pass over the buzz that Keaton's gotten in the last couple of days. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. So I'll introduce you here, then I'll let Carlos express himself. If if you do wander around Twitter, wherever, you're bound to bump into set leak photos. And some people thrive on it. Some people have built a business around it. And there's something about these specific set leak photos coming off of Batgirl that don't feel like dudes sitting on a roof with a telescopic lens, taking photos of people riding on top of cars or the stunt man on a bicycle. You know what I mean? It just feels a little different. The framing feels off, but we, we got our first look at a post 89 post 92. Is it a Keaton suit in the modern day? And look, Carlos debuted a wonderful, wonderful piece of art last week over on our Instagram. And the story is at the end of last week's episode, a Keaton piece. And it's so fitting that not a few days later, we get our first look at the modern Keaton suit. So Carlos, walk me through some of your thoughts here as we're seeing these unofficial in air quotes and, and let me know what you're feeling on <laughs> on whether or not these are are true leaks or if it connects a little bit to uh this narrative that dc has been controlling for the last little bit well man there's two things so number one like you teed it up perfectly with the end of last week's episode for uh our week in nerd and the art and then just last night i was playing a little arkham knight and i shared a clip from my ps5 of uh, Nightwing and Batman rocking a little tribute to our man Troy the Boy as he's working away. And uh, I, w- I might have had the Keaton 89 bat suit on the Batman that's in that little footage that I tweeted out. And then today, like, holy smokes, our boy Chris Evans sends me a message. And I was I was grinding, hadn't been online very much. And uh, he's like, dude, did you see the set leak pictures? I was like, no, but please share. Yeah. And holy <laughs> smokes. Like, man, we get two pictures of Michael Keaton in the bat suit. And man, I am with you. There is no way that some guy wanders into an 
active filming location with a movie star and is able to take two pictures that are perfectly lit with the character in his costume posed, no towel wrapped around him, no nothing. Like this is just viral marketing at its finest. Mm -hmm. The guy that took that picture probably one of the directors because there's like half a dozen people on set that have that access. Like, like they could just be, Oh, what, what is this leaking from the director's chair, his frame of reference? Like I I look at this stuff and like I said, it's not some guy in his apartment looking down at the street. Like, no, this is a very well framed shot where if you're going to leak something and like, guys, let's, let's be real with this. Let me be clear. This happens all of the time. This is about buzz, generating discussion. We've seen this numerous times with DC where these get leaked, and then all of a sudden we have the photo. And some people may say, oh, no, it's a reaction by DC to get in front of these set leaks. Look, we we saw this in the toy world a couple days ago about what studios are willing to do to protect their IP with YouTube channels being shut down, Instagrams being shut down in the Jurassic world. So if Warner Brothers didn't want this out there, we would have likely heard about this, about it getting scraped down. If you remember a few years ago when, what was the Oscar Isaac's character in X-Men? Oh, uh, Apocalypse. Apocalypse. When those were up, Sonny retweeted one and got a note from Fox saying, take this down now. Because that was like a proper set leak. Like it was un unbrushed or it looked terrible but they sent him a note and said take this down right now a cease and desist so i i just don't think that warner brothers is out here being like oh shoot <laughs> batman leak again from the oh, director's chair <laughs> well and it's funny because my wife came home and she hadn't had a chance to check her messages when i sent it to her so she takes a look at it and she's like, yeah, he looks awesome. He totally reminds me of this pi- that picture you had. And like back when we were dating, I had like this storage area, but I had this um, Batman 89, like it's like a total 80s, 90s thing, but like art on freaking cloth kind of thing, like the wall hanging. And uh, I was just like, shoot. Yeah, it does. Like the way it's framed, the way it's lit, the there's no way that that's by accident. And it's like if it we might be wrong, we might be wrong, but I don't know. It's pretty damn cool, even if it's not. And like, man, it blew me away. Like, I love, love, loved how he looked in that suit. Like, the suit is the perfect evolution of the '89 and the Mm -hmm. returns type of suit. It's immediately recognizable as that OG Michael Keaton Batman, but it's just different enough. It looks like it's tailored to fit like a older Batman that needs a bit more tech to kind of do his thing, which is cool. Like it was just perfect, just perfect. I, I was immediately blown away. Like that quote unquote set leak slash viral marketing picture just about replaced Pattinson as the wallpaper on my phone. Upon it, <laughs> seeing my eyes. <laughs> well, it's, it's about building momentum. A lot of this stuff too. Right. And in the right direction, you do not want to eclipse the Batman, right? You do not want to be putting out full footage of Keaton's Batman in his suit because you begin to confuse people as to what Batman I'm going to see in two weeks' time. This is an easy way to do that without imposing or impeding or cannibalizing the Batman marketing that is actively going on right now. 
Mm-hmm. That's that's just my opinion on that one. Like, you 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 don't want to do too much to overshadow, and you don't want to confuse. So here's a way to do it, and you keep this on the tip of your tongue. We are always talking about DC. Yeah, totally, totally, and it's it's just smart, and the timing was smart too. In fact. You probably could have waited a bit, but I th- I think it was just good to kind of take it back a little bit and to start getting people even more fired up for for what they have coming after the Batman, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, pretty pretty incredible stuff. And speaking of the Batman, we've already got some pretty prominent accolades being tossed at this one in uh, in the form of AMC's. Artisan certification, I think, is what it was. Mm-hmm. Hold on a second. I'll tell you. It was designated as an AMC artisan film. Yeah. Which I guess they give as the um, uh, they give that accreditation to any film that meets certain art artistic and creative metrics as far as the director having a vision and the cinematography mm. and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it was kind of cool. And it was, it was neat that I, I heard about that via our boy, Sonny there. So um, yeah, <laughs> he, here's the thing. Yeah. He, he loves playing his uncle Marty, but uh, yeah. So the banner of artisan films, which is reserved for films that have are artist driven in a way that advances the art of storytelling and filmmaking. The only contemporary comic book movie to receive this distinction apart from the Joker. So wow, there you go. There you go. Shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, which is interesting. Um I, I hope this doesn't lead anybody to think that the two are connected in any way, but uh yeah, it's cool. It's just it's just neat that it's got this extra little bit of swagger to it coming into mm-hmm. its opening weekend and whatnot. And yeah, I just thought it was it was worth mentioning. So bum, 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 <laughs> bum. it's building, it's building. <laughs> Oh, it's man, coming, you know man. It. We're gonna crescendo here in a couple of weeks when we hear uh when you hear the boys from Vigilante walk out of that and they're just screaming their face off in the DM. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I might have to put them on mute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For fear of spoilers. Not because I don't love them. Yeah. Well, there it is, guys. DC and Marvel both cooking on all cylinders here. And we're gonna take a step actually over to the beyond here and discuss two trailers that dropped one for a TV show or a streaming service show, whatever you want to call it, and one for a big movie. And we're going to start with The Lord of the Rings, a franchise that I don't know if we've ever actually touched on here in the Nerd Room, but I think given the scale and scope of what Amazon is going to put to their streaming service with the Rings of Power this September, I think we have to talk about this. So... What is the Rings of Power? Where does it take place relative to the Lord of the Rings that a lot of us are likely familiar with? And, of course, The Hobbit. The token focus stories around, of course, the hobbits and the elves and the dwarfs and all this. And, of course, the Rings of Power here. So this TV series is actually taking place apparently about a couple thousand years before the events of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. It is derived from, I guess this is just my understanding, so correct me if I'm wrong out there, Big Little Rings fans, it's derived from some of the appendices of Tolkien's work in and around Lord of the Rings. And Amazon actually has committed a pile of money to this, buying the rights to this from the Tolkien estate for $250 million and committing about a billion dollars to the production to produce five seasons of this show 
season one, of course, of The Rings of Power dropping September 2nd, 2022. So it's already filmed, shot. They did all down in New Zealand. So this is a big one. And this is, like I said, Amazon's first huge step into production at this scale. So I don't know, man. Lord of the Rings, like, what is it for you? And does this pull any interest for you? Like, are you going to be tuning into this in September? Yeah, I think they've, just by virtue of some of the things you said, like the the sheer amount of resources that they dumped mm-hmm. into it, uh, it, it does have that kind of appointment viewing feel to it. I haven't said too much or looked too closely at it because as I learned from Wheel of Time, if you if you even think about something that Amazon's putting out, all of a sudden, like the Illuminati <laughs> is coming after you. Like the advertisements on the boxes, they're spamming your timeline and your DM. And uh, yeah, it was it was crazy. I got scared, man. I, f- I felt like uh, Jason Bourne running away from Treadstone. <laughs> <laughs> just, just asking a question if the show is good or not. But... Uh, yeah, no, I, I think I think it's got to be something you watch, and I, I quite love the Lord of the Rings films and mm-hmm. and even the Hobbit movies. And this, the, I was, I, I was pleasantly surprised or um, happy to see that it very much feels like a return to Middle Earth. Yes, there's no disconnect from what New Line and Warner Brothers did with the films to what this did. It looks like they very much um, targeted this show feeling to be on that same scale and scope and uh the the majesty of lord of the rings definitely seems to be on display here so yeah i'll be tuning in for sure i i don't uh, have a, a history with lord of the rings or the tolkien writings uh, or anything really outside of the the films and the old animated movie from back mm-hmm. in the day so i i'm here for it though yeah, I I really enjoyed these films like you. There were a set of films that I said, this is not for me. And then I had a friend say, I think you would actually really like these, man. And it turned out I really, really enjoyed the first trilogy, of course. And then the Hobbit films were, were really good, too. I enjoyed them. They're a bit long in some parts and that, given the, the size of the book. And I actually read the book after the Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy watch. And so I have an investment in some of these characters. It's not something that I've ever like collected toys from or had a big kind of fandom attention to or paid much attention to in a fandom sense. But this one here, when I look at this, like you said, it feels of a piece with what we got before, which is really great. This big ensemble cast where we're touching on things like the elves, the dwarves and Middle Earth and all of the craziness that comes with Lord of the Rings and I think that this is going to be a really cool thing to watch. And, you know, the Lord of the Rings title definitely gets me in there day one. You know, I'm not a huge Game of Thrones guy. This this idea of the fantasy side of things isn't something that always pulls me in. And so you take that Lord of the Rings tag off, and I might not be super interested, but given it's connected to a bigger story and it's going to be focused so far in the past that it's going to be all original characters and that I'm, I'm ready to reinvest myself into this universe and these characters, but with some underlying foundation of knowledge of, you know, what each of these, these groups are. And so I can do, Oh, cool. There's some elves and there's some dwarfs. And I, I kind of like that world that they established inside of that, those books, of course. And then the, the films, which are a lot more accessible 
than uh, than the books ever were to me. Yeah, like I I love 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 Game of Thrones, and um, anybody who's listening to the show knows that I'm a huge Witcher honk. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm wearing a Witcher shirt right now. But uh, <laughs> like the scope and scale and production of this mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings show seems to just eclipse um, both of those. Like certainly The Witcher, like you know, being in that fantasy realm and The Witcher being a, a newer property, just how dense the Lord of the Rings show looks and how sweeping it is. I was like, holy smokes, Geralt, you need to step up your game, man. As much as I love you, like, <laughs> these guys are bringing it. Netflix best open the pocketbook for season three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to be interesting to see if they charge us more to watch this because at some point, I think Amazon is going to have to bump if they're spending this kind of cash. You know, this, I think you, you so perfectly have put it in the past that, yeah, sure. I'll watch something that comes with my free delivery service. (laughs) Like, of course. But I think with the acquisition of the MGM stuff that there is like another layer inside of Amazon prime video. Now, I believe where you have to pay a little more to get access to some of that library. So if you go into like, I think James Bond stuff and all that, um, I might be wrong and I might be crazy on this, but I think if you click on it, it says you need to subscribe to like the MGM package inside of Amazon Prime to get access to the all the stuff that they purchased a year or so ago. Interesting. Well, if you want to watch Bond movies, just watch them on Crave because they're under that subscription up here. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah. I can't remember yeah. whatever. Bond was the first thing that came to mind with MGM yeah. stuff. So, it, Oh, totally. And I wouldn't be surprised. But So... Even if this is an up and over, I would probably still pay to watch this. Like it's five bucks or whatever. Rent it for a month or so and then ditch it back to free delivery of packages. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Um, if I had to pay extra for Amazon Prime, like, yeah, I'd probably cough up for the boys. And when they do that, Chris Evans RoboCop remake, <laughs> they have rumored now. But uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm here for Lord of the Rings so long as it's delivered under the same umbrella as my packages. So, Well, I would assume at a billion dollar price tag, <laughs> I don't know how well Amazon's doing, like really well, I guess. Like Jeff Bezos built a spaceship and flew to space, but um, I guess maybe paying for Lord of the Rings just out of a pocket, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Certainly. So put that on tap September. It's late in the year, which is nice. Kind of a, a traditional dead zone for film releases and all that so i i'm game for it i'm here for it and um now it's time to to move on man here look we've talked about some pretty big scale and scoping films and universes and film franchises but none took me away in the same way that the second jurassic world dominion trailer did i believe is this the first trailer or second trailer we had the prologue maybe that's what i'm getting mixed up with did we have a trailer before no, I think it's actually the first trailer. It is the first trailer. Yeah, the pro- prologue is what got me mixed up here because it has elements in that of this trailer. But Jurassic World Dominion, I don't know, man. This came out a couple days before Super Bowl. And I got to say that for me, there's a few trailers that sit very, very high on like my favorite trailers because of the composition, the score, the imagery, and also the emotional weight that they carried inside of them. This trailer, for me personally, sits up with Endgame Trailer 2 and TFA Trailer 2. On the way it's structured, 
the introduction of characters, the use of voiceovers. And I honestly sat back in my house prior to this record. I watched this Jurassic World Dominion trailer, full on, full body goosebumps. I said, okay, let's see if these other two trailers that I just mentioned have the same effect, exact same effect. Like I got goosebumps thinking about it right now. Like I'm not lying, guys. (laughs) This Jurassic World Dominion trailer blew my brain apart every piece of it the score the imagery the hammered voiceovers the big three returning the world cast and their roles the dino then this was something special and it meant the absolute world to me to experience this outside of the big huge fireworks of super bowl i got to sit and experience it with the community. It was so good. Like Affleck said, man, I agree. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what else is there? Like, this this was a magic, magic, magic freaking trailer. Like, it, it was cool. And once again, like, I love that they dropped it so far outside of mm-hmm. Super Bowl so we could sit and marinate in it. And it was cool because it was either our boy Tom Jurassic or Neems that – gave us the heads up that this trailer dropped mm-hmm. and the timing was just such that I had this kind of 10 minute window with my youngest, who's a massive Jurassic park fan. And I just kind of said, close your eyes, come sit on the couch. I had it all queued up and we just get to watch it together. Awesome. And it's like, I'm geeking out about the Parasaurolophus herd in the snow being Canadian dinosaur geek dinosaurs in the snow. Just cool. You never get yeah. to see it. Awesome. And then, like, to see her reaction when she sees Blue has an offspring Mm. was magic. Like, it was just incredible. To the point that, like, she has this ridiculously sized Blue toy. And then she has, like, a little baby one as well. And so I set them up on our landing for her. And they've been there since that trailer dropped. Um, One of us almost kills themselves going up and down the (laughs) stairs once a day. But uh, yeah, like that trailer just had such an impact. The way the way it was cut and how they had the the score swell, but that they used the dinosaur sounds yes. to kind of in the place of where you'd have different horns or different notes in a in a different type of trailer. And then yeah, like just that Trevaro just came out with just that BDE, and he shows you your Jurassic World cast all together, shoulder to shoulder with your entire Jurassic Park cast, all sharing a scene. We know that they're going to meet up. We know that all the players meet up, so you don't end up with just Ellie and Malcolm, but they never meet Dr. Grant, but you get to see, like, no. Here they all are. Here they all are together. They all have these cool moments. Like, man, they, they all looked phenomenal. And and it was just magic. And they didn't take away from your Jurassic World cast. No, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It it felt like this big event movie. You know, we talk about a lot of event movies, and Jurassic Park was was something special. And then you get this relaunch with Jurassic World with the new cast with some more subtle callbacks to things and some very in your face ones with the use of the island and all that. But this feels like a perfect amalgamation and really crescendo of this huge franchise. They use this tagline that Jurassic era is ending. 
of course this franchise is going to continue in some capacity but this is i think trevorrow's way of saying this cast this story that we've been telling since 1993 this story is coming to an end something new is happening after don't expect these same characters to make appearances in this capacity in the future we're going to end it on our terms and it's going to be here i love that jurassic era's ending right because it speaks to something bigger too with like the eras of you know jurassic ben cretaceous and all this kind of thing right so it's just wonderfully marketed there and the callback to both trilogies inside of this it makes it feel like everything was purposeful that the intent was to get to this point right yeah and i i really love that it's embraces the concept of Jurassic World and that it feels like an yes. international yes. globe-spanning story where you see dinosaurs in all different parts of the world and you get to see them in different locations. And, and I just love that, right? Like, I always hated growing up where everything had to happen in either Los Angeles or New York mm-hmm. City. <laughs> yeah. Nothing happened outside of those other two places and the, the rest of us were just spectators. So, um yeah, man. Like I, I loved seeing the dinosaurs in, uh, in Europe and all these other locations, and it's it just cool. And like I, I think that that'll go a long way with your international audience as well. Mm-hmm. Where it's kind of like we're quote unquote all in, all in it together, and everybody has their dinosaurs. And yeah, man. Like it, it was just awesome. Like honestly, the, the only thing that made me sad is that it's not real. Yeah, I, wanted... <laughs> I want this to be real. <laughs> yeah, I want to drive up to Nozell Park and just, you know, see an Apatosaurus wandering, yeah. <laughs> wandering around some logs. I love it, man. I love it. And I just want to retouch on this. Go back to Endgame Trailer 2 and TFA Trailer 2. It's the use of voiceovers in a particular way that are untethered to the scenes that they're showing. That is it's so critical. I think a really good trailer uses this and it's lines from Jurassic Park that they're using in this for this. And it signifies something, I think, so much bigger for me. I wanted to show them something that wasn't an illusion. Something that was real. Something that they could see and touch creation is an act of sheer will life will find a way we can't keep her here forever they find her we're never gonna see her again we gotta protect her that's our job Humans and dinosaurs can't coexist. We created an ecological disaster. Ellie Sattler. Alan Grant. You didn't come out all this way just to catch up now, did you? You coming or what? You know, I think when they started off with Jurassic World in 2015, I don't know if this the game plan was to get to here, but 
in the way that we're revisiting a lot of things in this era of filmmaking, it can be done ham-fistedly, or I think it can be done this way, where everything feels like it's pointing in a direction that makes sense. It's organic to get Laura Dern coming back and Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum. Yes, Jeff Goldblum had a cameo role in Fallen Kingdom, but that felt like it was, okay, we're going to put Jeff Goldblum in here. All this feels right. And then there's a moment when they're introducing Sattler and Grant, and you hear the little notes of the original Jurassic Park score, which to me just like sends me into a, an absolute frenzy. And I send this to my dad. And the first thing he said, because he's a big Jurassic fan, like he, we grew up together on this. I send this to him. I said, check this out. We're going to go see this together because I'm going to be back home in June. And he said, this is really cool. The original cast is back. Mm-hmm. Like he likes World and all that. We went and saw Fallen Kingdom together, I believe. But he really latched on to the idea that the new cat or the old cast is back. I've got people texting me that I haven't talked to for a while saying, did you see the Jurassic World trail? The old cast is back. So this is a real hook for people. And I love, like you said, that this isn't a cameo. This They have a meaningful part to play in this film to the point where, they, yes, they do meet up with the world cast, which is... Having Pratt and Grant utter those words together back to back, it's so great. So great, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it was magic. And it kind of shows that they're the the mirrors of each other, right? The Your mm-hmm. dinosaur expert guys. And yeah. And, and I thought, like, the things that they're doing with um, Claire, Bryce Dallas Howard's character was yes. interesting. It seems like she's very much going to be your protagonist for the film and the one kind of conducting the orchestra so to speak so that's cool and I think that's a nice evolution for her character being somebody who is in the eye of the storm with Jurassic World and you know being directly tied to the company that kind of led to this expansion of dinosaurs across the planet and I loved Malcolm is still in his character and that you know he's talking about the the dinosaurs now having dominion over the planet and that mm-hmm. they are, they are the primary fe- species type of thing. And yeah, I, the one, my one hope is that they show how this got so far out of control. Yeah. There's like a progression, like a time jump, but there's like an explanation or like a flashback or even at in during the credits showing this, like taking off. Yeah. Like kind of like they did with, um, the like rise of the planet of the apes. Yes, at the end. Yeah, with yeah. like the airplane infection or yeah. whatever. Just because if I that's exactly what I, I thought too. <laughs> yeah, because I I really like Fallen Kingdom. In fact, I love the first two acts, save the lava scene with Chris Pratt. And um, but the thing that I think that they didn't do a good job of was setting up how the dinosaurs would get out of control, given that they were just in this one location in California. You kind of got the sense that uh, a couple of Marlboro men armed up could take out the whatever it was, like 24 dinosaurs or whatever it was that made it to to that mansion uh, stronghold. So I hope they kind of expand on some of the things that they seeded in the background with mm-hmm. other people having those embryos and then yeah. you know, them growing them and seeing them get out of control. And it's interesting. I read a few of the Topps comics recently. And just some of the ideas that they were playing with there with these guys in these underground farms developing dinosaurs just because. And 
and engine having like these dirty sites developing dinosaurs. So I, I hope they play with some of those concepts, but bring them into the film in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. When I think you see the professor there from the original one, and he's played a role in, in the world stuff too, BD Wong's character. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was that, I believe little tag in there where they take the embryos at some point. Right. And you, also introduced concepts from Camp Cretaceous about spying and stealing. And that's been, that's been since Jurassic Park, right? That that has been a thing about stealing the, the intellectual property and all that. And that to me in my head canon right now is how you get to some of these new dinosaurs. You've got people, like you said, just basically creating these things because the tech's out there, right? It's, it's open source now that you can make a dinosaur. And it's just adding to this like big, big problem. Yeah. Yeah. Like it'll... I just can't wait. Like, mm-hmm. and even if they so don't excited. explain it, just like, honestly, like I said to my kid, like I, I would honestly be happy just watching two and a half hours of dinosaurs running around yeah. doing whatever. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> man. I'm here for it all freaking day. I don't know, man. The Multiverse of Madness trailer and DC trailer really blew me away. But this one, this one takes a cake for me over the weekend. This one is the one I'm going to hold up and say, this one did it for me. Out of all of the awesome content we got, Jurassic World Dominion wins for me. How about you, man? What takes you away? The DC scissor reel? Oh, it's hard yeah. to ignore. Like, like yeah. I, I'm just <laughs> I'm so like I'm so in the bag for that like all the DC stuff. Like honestly, if if not for Keats, like you might have been able to woo me over to Team Jurassic, but it's like Man, yeah, man, that 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 guy is undeniable. I, I was watching freaking videos of him campaigning for the Democratic Party just because I think he's a cool guy and I love the way yeah. he talks. So yeah. yeah, it doesn't take much. No, and he got that Faybach print just <laughs> ready to go. <laughs> yeah, not print, print man, original art. Oh, sorry, original art. Yes, not print. My 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 bad here. I'm still learning the lingo a little bit on all this. <laughs> That's a forgive me. But man, there it is. There is. The big trailers, there's a Moon Knight trailer, which didn't add a whole bunch of context. And there's a a few other things out there that uh, we're not going to touch on because we got some plastic to talk about in our favorite segment. That is our week in Nerd. All right, Carlos, here it is, our week in Nerd. Another segment that we love here where we break down what we're buying, what we're seeing what we're reading, and most importantly, what we're picking up on those pegs. So, dude, who do you want Who do you want to go first here? I got, I got quite a few things in the bag here. You know, you had a lot of success last week, so where do you want to sit this? I got a little something for you, too, sitting right beside me here as well. Nothing oh, you big. know what? I'll, I'll go first because mine's, mine's kind of low-key, but the first thing I'll do for our Weekend Nerd is I'll give a shout-out to... Uncle Todd, I guess McFarland Toys and yes. the DC Multiverse line won an award for being the number one action figure line. And uh, you got to just go watch the video for yourself. He, Todd <laughs> McFarland funny. himself posted it everywhere that he could. So <laughs> just stick his name in and you will find it on Twitter, on Facebook for sure, because that's his his platform of choice. Um, Instagram everywhere. But it's him sitting at a table talking about how he was given the award um, for having DC Multiverse being the number one toy line in Canada and the United States. And then he goes on this little hilarious humble brag about 
all the companies and the the brands that he beat out. But uh, you know, shout out to him. Like he gives a good product for a good dollar, and mm-hmm. you know, maybe it'll be a wake up call for to follow up on a show a couple back with what people. Proof is in the pudding, right? This is what people want: is they want just a cool figure at a reasonable price type of thing. So maybe some of the competitors need to to look to Uncle Todd because you know if you've got a key IP, but this guy's beating you with uh, death metal figures. There's there's <laughs> there got to go. be something to that it. That was that was a huge chunk, right? Of, of yeah. last year of your purchases. Did he happen to give you and Troy? And Ian, a personal shout-out in that video? Because you guys have, uh, you know, put him well into retirement at this point. Well, it's funny that you say that because Troy and I, that that's our running joke is when that video dropped, we were saying like, dude, he needs to give you Jace Fox and he needs to give me the dark detective figure <laughs> that he has coming out j- just as a thank you yeah. because we gave him a boatload of free advertising on this show. Yep. So. <laughs> yeah, free just advertising and spending lots of Lots of cash at our local EB Game Stops. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. It's true. And uh, I've got text messages from them because I, I think a canister arrived somewhere because they're like, yeah, this pre-order is in and that pre-order yeah. is in. So we'll, we'll see what happens with next week in Nerd. But uh, the one McFarlane pickup that I did have this week was I scored the Lobo figure for my daughter. She absolutely adores that character. And as far as the hierarchy of Superman villains that she wanted on her shelf. He beat out Lex. He beat out Superboy Prime. So he's the the figure that she wanted. And man, like Uncle Todd needs to get a new photographer because I didn't think much of him in the pre-order picks to the point that I tried to talk her out of getting him. Blew me away when I picked it up and had it in my hands. Like he just looks so cool. He's got this real menacing, perfect kind of snarky face to him. The big beefy figure and yeah it, it's a great looking toy and uh, the other one that I saw in the wild that I didn't pick up but if you can it's spectacular but the Swamp Thing figure mm-hmm. it's insane like I, it's held, huge. I, I saw took, the store the other day yeah I took a picture of it with like the Wonder Woman that he just released and she comes up to like she doesn't even come up to his hip <laughs> it's, it's nuts so yeah those are out there and the Gotham Knights figures the first couple have popped up there but uh yeah, um, we'll, we'll save those for an Our Weekend Nerd on another day. And uh, you know what? The other shout-out I got to give is to my daughter. She, uh, you know, after financing at least one platoon of clone troopers, <laughs> she was out with her friends, and she came back with a gorgeous The Batman shirt for me. So, yeah. That seems like a premiere night wear. Yeah. I, I think so. So, yeah, it's cool. It just kind of got the logo, like, is on the bat suit with a bit of that J.J. Abrams lens flare to it. And, uh, yeah, it's cool. So, those uh, th- that consists of my week of nerd. But uh, how about you, man? It sounds like you literally have a Santa sack of things there. I do. I do have one in front of me. And it's it's funny because I watched the Multiverse of Madness trailer on Sunday evening whenever it drops right and i said to myself all right this this definitely gets my hype level up i'm gonna do a little little run to my local walmart here because i've i got some plastic anxiety around this marvel legends bit of hit and miss in 2021 when it comes to what's lingering on the pegs and what's not eternals and shang chi seem to be sitting no way home 
hard to find those figures. I don't know if I'm just not looking the right spots, but everywhere I've gone, I'm not seeing much of those figures around. JJ's it, man. He's the only one you can find. Yeah, and so I saw how this trailer hit, the feedback online, people getting excited about it. I thought, okay, wheels are spinning in my head. What is going to happen to these Multiverse of Madness figures? Like I've hearing rumblings that they're starting to drop in stores and all that. And then I also realized that the Build-A-Figure is that green horned bull thing from the trailer as well. Uh, Rinitar or something like that. Okay. And and so I thought it was just like a throwaway comic book Build-A-Figure, but it turns out I need to actually get all the Build-A-Figure pieces from this wave as well <laughs> to, to fill that one out. So that figure is not going to show up in my basketball net? When you come over no. sometime. <laughs> no, it's not. Sometimes, guys, I put figures in Carlos's basketball net. <laughs> because yeah. I've had to buy a comic book one that no one knows who this character is for an arm for Thanos or something. <laughs> but but I said, okay, let's let's run to, to Walmart here. And I did stumble across the Doctor Strange Marvel Legends wave. Now, I looked at it and I said, okay, who's here? So Mordo, Wong, and America Chavez were, were present in Walmart. The Stranges were all gone, which is interesting to me. So the Doctor Strange is double-packed, the, the main figure. And then there's like the Astral Projection, the Translucent Strange as well. So all those figures were gone, but Wong, Mordo, and Chavez were, were there. And I said, ah, I don't know what I want to do with these. Like I, I got a little bit of anxiety around this. Are they going to be figures that show up? a mass or are they going to be like no way home so i hid them a little bit and i did a couple laps around walmart just talking myself up I said okay i'm gonna buy two of them because these are you know when you walk right down the aisle next to us these are nine dollars more <laughs> than the equivalent figures on the dc side for mcfarland as you uh, as you just chronicled there so i said okay i'm gonna get the wong so i picked up the wong here i'm just showing carlos oh very pretty, cool pretty cool figure very colorful lots of hands that might be the first. That might be the rookie Wong figure. So I grabbed that. And then I also grabbed the the Mordo, which uh, is Mordo's second figure. It's got his cornrows and beard and really cool figure, actually. The designs on these, the robes are, are pretty pretty intense and intricate. So I was pretty happy with that. And I passed on the America Chavez. Well, I got thinking about it more today, two days after that. And I said, ah, I got to go back because I have a feeling these figures are going to go. Went back, and uh, America Chavez was still there. So I picked her up as well. <laughs> nice. And she comes with nice. a big, huge torso of this Build-A-Figure uh, sorcerer character. So I got three of the five characters from the Multiverse of Madness Marvel Legends wave. And yes, I did pay full price for them. But I back-justified this in my head for two ways. One, I have a feeling these some of these are going to go. Maybe not all of them. But two, I need the Build-A-Figure pieces. And so I can't buy them from my Marvel Legends Whisper, who usually sells these out of package without the Build-A-Figure piece. So that was my pickup on the Marvel Legends side. So pretty happy with that. Starting to put a dent in, in that early on here, which I'm okay with. But my real big pickups this week, and Carlos is going to love these. I was at... Oh, uh, shoot! <laughs> you're not That's... actually, but... <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna love this so it's from carlos's favorite movie of 2021 um and that is marvel's eternals i got all the pez <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i'm a pez collector for those that are new to the show 
I collect Marvel and Star Wars Pez. And they released four different Eternal Pezes. We've got Icarus. Uh, we've got, what's her name? I can't remember her name. Uh, Cersei, Crow, and Artism, which is the big uh, Celestial. But funny enough, my Crow figure is, or Pez is backwards <laughs> in the package. <laughs> He didn't so want his he, face to be no, seen. Didn't even want to see his face. So I walked in. There's a candy shop down the road from me, and I walked in. I said, "I'll take all four of these," and he's like, "Awesome." Did he <laughs> so, roll a tear? A little bit. He says, "I got a whole bunch more of these in the back. Do you want more?" And I said, "I'm okay, brother." <laughs> so actually, over those last two weeks, I was able to put that dent in the Hulk Pez, which was just released, and also these four mcu pezes the funny thing about these i don't know how many people out there are actually pez collectors like me but with these characters because it's hard to tell it's just like a human head so they have to do like a torso plus a head version of these ones which are different than a normal regular pez which is just the head of the character and so i don't love them as much but it's because you can't just put like cersei's head on a pez it's just like that is just a woman's head on a pez and the same with Icarus as well, right? <laughs> you can't do much with those. But it seems like a really odd line to put out with no No Way Home, no Shang-Chi. It was kind of weird that we get four of these. But I'm okay with it. I like building out that Pez. But while I was there, I also picked this up from my good friend Carlos, who mentioned it last week. No way! Venom yeah. Pez! Amazing! Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned it last week, and he said, ah, maybe I'll grab that someday if I see it. And... So I saw it and I was like, you know what? I got to get this from my dude. So. Dude, that's awesome. Thank you. I, I love the head on that one. He's got that McFarlane look to him. Very, very much so. We're going to bring it full circle back to McFarlane there. So it's a cool little Pez. It's a cool little thing to put on display in your Marvel office. So, Yeah. And one of the few black Pez, if memory serves. Yeah. Black Panther is the only other one. And your Miles Morales Spider-Man would be the, if you're talking just like the bases and that. So yeah, yeah. pretty cool. Pretty cool. Actually, the Thor one has it as well, but. Yeah, it's a cool little Pez, and you know you can go on Instagram if you want and scroll through. I'll probably put a new photo of the of the Marvel ones here. But I the thing I love about Pez and why I collect it is because they're super accessible. They're usually pretty cheap. You can find them at every secondhand store, Kijiji, wherever you want. Um, I'm only missing a handful from the Stars collection, actually the Clone Wars ones, and I'm missing one or two from the the Marvel ones as well. So I'm hoping to close those collections out. But as they release these things in waves. There it is, man. So it was a very MCU heavy, MCU focused Marvel collecting week. So that's all my goodies. These things take up a lot of. I made that Santa bag look a lot bigger, but <laughs> no, that's cool, man. And those uh, Marvel Legends, like that Mordo that you just flashed up, like his, like the robes and whatnot on him is phenomenal. Like even through the the call here, you can kind of make out. That yeah, he's a pretty ornate figure. Yeah, and the face sculpt, like, the beard is a bit funny on Mordo, um, but both him and Wong, the face sculpts are unbelievable. Like, That's these cool. are, like, shrunken down versions of these. America Chavez isn't as good, but it's still a cool figure. And the actress that plays her, actually, put up on her TikTok her unboxing this figure, and it caught my daughter's eye when I was playing. She's like, oh, who's that? And so I showed her and explained the character a little bit. So... A lot of me buying this, because this this may or may not be one that kicks around, was so that she could see it and kind of unbox it with me. Ah, very cool. Because Very cool. That's like, as soon as she sees like a young female character in a movie, she's immediately like, I want to learn more about this, which is really cool. And this is why she's such a DC fangirl, is that they do that so, so well. Like, 
if I'm, I should have said this in the trailer section, but I just remembered it now talking about her. When the, we were watching, what were we watching? So I don't know where it was, but she saw the logo and flipped out. Flipped out. Actually, you know what? It wasn't the DC Sister Roll. We watched Space Jam 2 on the weekend. Oh. And they go into the DC world for a minute. Yeah. And she lost her brain when she saw the DC logo. And then Batgirl makes a blink and you'll miss it cameo in that. Blew her little brain apart. Like it was Very like cool. The most reaction that Space Jam 2 got out of her was all the DC stuff. That's awesome. Well, and it's cool. that It's uh, it's awesome to hear that. And then I'm happy because they have that scene on Themyscira, right? Yes. Yeah. And she's, yeah, Wonder Woman freaking out and flipping out about that too. Yeah. So she's up doing like the Wonder Woman, like clashing her wrists together and all this crazy stuff, like jumping on the couch. I'm like, get down, get down. But she has like, I got to let her flip out about this. <laughs> That's cool, man. That's cool. That makes me excited. And actually they announced that they're doing a, uh, they're doing their own little multiverse uh, movie within like all those animated series and they're doing the dc superhero girls with the teen titans go and something else but yeah it's like a little direct-to-video hbo max type of movie that they're doing wicked because someone i think your wife or one of your daughters had messaged and said that like it that's all available on crave now too all the dc or netflix one of them netflix i think maybe yeah yeah yeah, it all went up because she's been plowing through all that stuff (laughs) (laughs) That's all. You should watch that with her. It's it's actually pretty funny. And I the do Justin sit and Trudeau, catch some of them. Bruce, Bruce Wayne makes me laugh every single time. <laughs> awesome. Well, there it is, guys. Another another great week. You know, back to talking about some current stuff, but I've also had fun going back and revisiting some different topics over the last couple of weeks. That you know, a lot of things are happening with Peacemaker and Book of Boba Fett. And we said, you know, we're gonna pause on that because we're gonna do this big live stream. This coming Friday, so make sure you go tune into that on our YouTube channel. But it gave us an opportunity to talk about some different things. So if you're looking for some divergent content from the last couple of weeks, head back a couple episodes. We have some deep dives into collecting and to the uh, the essence of adaptation we talked about last week in some detail. So just some of us musing through and, and having a, a big, big broader conversation about these worlds that we, we always talk about. And then, of course, yeah, we had some fun this week, man. It was great talking about those trailers and getting hype for what's in front of us. Just, ah, unbelievable, man. Everything is firing for me. I've got just, just shaking with anticipation for, for March here and what, that really kicks off for us in this in this fandom space. I know, man. White hot anticipation for Morbius. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, whenever that comes. <laughs> yeah, whenever that shows up on Netflix, I yeah. will enjoy it. Yeah, I can't I'm wait. Sure. Can't wait. I can't wait for someone to spoil the end credit scenes. What did it ties it into something in No Way Home or something for me? <laughs> Anyways, guys, we appreciate you coming back each and every week to hear us talk about all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC and beyond and if you'd like to be a bigger part of all of those discussions you can always email us at nerdroom at gmail.com you can find everything we do over the nerdroom.net the hunt is real and it's over on instagram i uploaded a few photos that followed up our awesome power of the force star wars power of the force live stream that we did myself and carlos did with our good friend mac mike tarkin formerly of Sandcrawler. So go over to our YouTube channel. You can catch the replay on that where we spent almost two hours talking about Power of the Force, doing some unboxings, and you can see the results of those unboxings up on our Instagram as well, at the Nerd RM. You can also see that Faybok print that Carlos talked about last week is also up on our Instagram. 
And like I said, one more pump. YouTube, we're putting up all kinds of content. This week is live stream. So we've got the Power of the Force live streams up there right now. And you're going to get one this Friday. We're going to be talking about Peacemaker, the Book of Boba Fett with our good friends, our great friends over at Vigilante 1939. So make sure you plug into that either on Friday night or hit the replay when it does drop onto the channel moments after we end the live stream. And uh, last but certainly not least, Twitter. You can catch us there every single day talking nerd, whatever. Just tag us. Our handles are at the end of the episode. So my man Carlos, with all of that behind us and so much more in front of us, for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. And I'm Batman. Thank you guys so much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, Sanjay, and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, Sanjabi, and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out thenerdroom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from The Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.